the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How are you? My name is Nick DeGilio, and I am the host of the Nick D Podcast here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network on the planet. Welcome to episode number 224. If you're listening to this on the day it's dropped, it's a Friday. That means it's weekend time. And it's also the opening weekend of Dune Part 2. Yeah. Denis Villeneuve's uh, fantastic sequel. Well, Finishing the first uh, part of the finishing the first novel entirely, and it's released in theaters um, this weekend. And you will hear full reviews from uh, myself, Eric Childress, and Steve Procopi. Eric and Steve are uh, my film critic buddies. We are part of the Chicago Film Critics Association, and uh, we review movies together. We go back as far as like my days at WGN. And, uh, and I've been working with these guys. They are my film critic buddies, and we review all the new movies and tell you all about movies and film festivals and everything you need to know about the world of movies, which I've been reviewing now for almost 40 years. Yeah, next year will be 40 years that I've been a, a professional film critic. And uh, we review the movies for you, and we love it, and we get great feedback about it. We try to cover all the new movies, review them for you. And so Steve and Eric join me every other week to talk about the new movies, and we're going to talk about uh, the new movies, including Dune Part 2. We're going to talk about some really cool stuff that's happening at the Music Box, a couple of other movies, and we're going to make our prediction for the Oscars. The Oscars will be handed out on February 10th. No, not, not, not February 10th. That was in the past. We'd have to go back into the, into the DeLorean uh, if we were going to do that. No, it's, uh, sorry, it's, it's uh, March 10th. March 10th, uh, Sunday night, will be the uh, handing out of the Academy Awards. And uh, we'll be talking about the Oscars, past, present, what will happen in the future. We'll talk about our predictions for what will win. Uh, so in addition to Dune Part 2, new movies, some cool stuff happening at the Music Box, we will give you our Oscar predictions to talk about the Academy Awards, and that's with the great Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. That's coming up immediately. And then the great Esmeralda Leon joins me. She's my good friend and my buddy and my partner, and uh, she joins me every third segment of the Nick D Podcast to just hang out and shoot the shit and talk and have some fun. Esmeralda rules. Uh, I love to get her opinion and her thoughts. She tells great stories. She's funny as hell. She's the coolest, and she's my partner. So Esmeralda Leon is going to join me. We're going to talk more about celebrities that everyone hates. We've been touching on that and having a good time with that. There are so many more on this list, and we're going to tell stories about why we like them and why we don't like them and why you like them and why you don't like them and whatever. We also have an interesting voicemail that we're going to catch up on, which involves bad neighbors. We got that, and we're going to continue our taste test from the world of Universal Yums. UniversalYums.com is this incredible company where you can sign up to have a box full of snacks delivered directly to your front door, and those snacks each month come from a different part of the world. 
we are currently we, we we taste tested some stuff some snacks from Spain we taste tested some snacks from Poland and now we are in the middle of taste testing snacks from France so French snacks will be consumed we will tell you all about it give you all the details and how you can get those snacks and uh, we will eat on the air and have some fun so Esmeralda Leon will join me Steve uh, Procopi and Eric Childress will join me so it's movies and 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 and. Uh, celebrities that everybody hates and voicemails about uh, bad neighbors and food and all kinds of great stuff. All of the cool and entertaining and fun things that you love about the Nick D podcast is happening right now. And again, I mentioned that we are part of the Radio Misfits podcast network, which is the best podcast network in the world and has many varied and entertaining and informative and dramatic and scary and cool and awesome and hilarious podcasts that you can get radiomisfits.com. Check it out, subscribe, download, Take the time to share and rate and review us and everybody on every platform. If you want to be a part of this podcast, hey, you want to be a sponsor, lots of people listen to this podcast, lots of people. If you have uh, something you want to advertise, you have a product, you want to be a sponsor, get in here, say, I want to be a part, I want to sponsor and be an advertiser on the Nick D podcast. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Drop us a note now, we'll work all that out. You want to be a part of the Nick D podcast in general? The voicemail system is set up for you anytime, 24-7, to leave us a message of any kind, a contribution, a question, a, a megaphone message request, anything you want to say at any time of day or night, 773-417-6948. I listen to every voicemail that comes in and play many of them back. If you want to email me with any of your thoughts, questions, comments, questions for some of our regular guests. By the way, the next episode that we're going to be doing that you'll hear that drops on Tuesday is our For the People episode where we have Herb Weissbaum, who's our consumer expert, and Tom Appel, who's our car expert. And we handle all those questions so that you can manage your money well, make investments well, and, uh, and, and spend the money and the things that you need to spend on your car wisely. It's for you. It's for the consumer. If you have questions for either of those guys, you can leave them on our voicemail or leave them on the email as well. Nick D podcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the themes and the sound and the weirdness. He's awesome. Ed Silla does everything else and everything else meaning a ton. Radio Misfits.live is our 24 hour streaming service where you can hear episodes of the great podcast available and great unheard music by unsigned bands from the unheard music podcast. So 24 seven free. It's just like radio, only a lot cooler. Radio Misfits.live. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, and my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live, called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, that's available, and you can hear that broadcast at 9 a.m. Central every day as part of Radiomisfits.live. And you can also hear this lady. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Yeah, Carrie Russell likes to hang out on my back porch. Hi, I'm and, Carrie uh, Russell, you know. and I love Nick's show. She's a part of the show all the time, so she rules. All right, so that's what's happening on the podcast today. I hope you have a lovely weekend. And uh, Eric Childress and C. Procopi are going to join me to talk about movies. Yeah, right after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah, don't be a jagoff. It's movie time. 
And that means uh, that it's time to talk with Eric Childress and Steve Procopi from the Chicago Film Critics Association. They join me every other week to talk about movies and movie-related things and lots of new stuff coming out. Uh, one of the first major releases, like big, big, big releases of the year, uh, is coming out today. And uh, we're going to review that. Uh, a couple of other movies and talk about some other cool stuff as well. But it's always a pleasure to welcome uh, Eric and Steve to the show. Let me first say hello to uh, Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Good. And Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello there. All right. Welcome. Let's start uh, with you, Eric. Where can uh, everybody hear and read and see and follow you and all that cool stuff? Yes. Uh, I have a couple of podcasts that are available at the Now Play Network. Uh, the Movie Madness podcast. We do uh, regular weekly movie reviews. Steve uh, Procopi and I do that. Uh, Peter Zabzinski and I talk about the latest uh, in physical media and Blu-rays. Uh, and then I also have the Friendship Dilemma that I co-host with Morgan Geyer. We talk about male and female friendships and how they're portrayed in the movies. Uh, we'll have some new episodes coming up uh, in March. Uh, and I also I write a weekly box office column for Rotten Tomatoes. And I'll have a whole... Uh, curtain raiser coming up for the South by Southwest Film Festival that uh, begins next week. Ah, uh, yes. Now, who's are you? You're going to South by, right? You're going to Austin. Yes, I'll be there for a few days. Okay. All right. Cool. And then we'll get like an update when you get back on the next uh, mm-hmm. episode. We'll get back and we can get like a, a South by uh, update. Now, Steve, you're seeing some of the movies, right? You're reviewing some stuff for for South I, by, but you're, I mean, but you're not. I going to... I don't really have any plans to <laughs> to cover it very much. I oh, always okay. end up. I always end up getting a few like screening links of stuff. Uh, I, I ask for stuff, but I don't like officially cover it. No. Okay. Not right. really. No, they don't. They don't have a virtual component anymore. So. Um, I was uh, talking to you, Eric. I was talking to you last night about uh, last night at uh, the screening, uh, f- the cinema classic screening of Starman. We had a really nice mm-hmm. turnout for that, by the way, Eric. That was we great. did. Yeah, that was great. Um, That's all I, you, man. Well, that was I, all I, you. And uh, and it was great. I was I hadn't hosted a screening in like four or something years. And it was was like riding a bike. I was like, oh, this Absolutely. is fun. And so as a result, I'm now going to do them regularly, uh, a couple at uh, with you guys, and then I'm 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 working out a situation where I'm going to be doing a monthly one at the the Classic Cinema Lake Street Lake uh, the Lake Theater in uh, Oak Park. That's great. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. And so, so thank you for fun. thank you for inviting me to do it. I appreciate that. Of course, it was great. Yeah. But anyway, we were talking last night about some of the stuff that you're seeing at South by, um, and uh, there's some there's some pretty cool stuff. What, what's the uh, what, what, what's the other besides the uh, besides the Cheech and Chong documentary, which is the one yeah. that, got, that that's the one that got me the most excited when you said, of course, yeah, Cheech and Chong documentary. Went, Hell yeah! I was so. Yeah. <laughs> but besides the Cheech and Chong documentary, which is probably going to be the finest documentary ever made, uh, yeah. What are some of the other things that you're looking forward to and some of the big movies that they're showing at South by this year? Well, some of the big movies, the like the big premieres they're showing, uh, they're, they're, they're doing The Fall Guy with Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt. Uh, right. They're showing Monkey Man, Dev Patel's uh, crazy yeah. action Direct, film. Directorial debut, yeah. Yeah, uh, they're showing the opening night film is the new version of Roadhouse with Jake Gyllenhaal. So God. I'll be seeing that next Friday night. Okay. Uh, Pamela, uh, you'll be interested in this, Nick. Uh, Pamela Adlon uh, has directed a movie oh. called ba- called Babes, uh, and it's playing there. It's uh, her, uh, Alana Glazer, as uh, the star of the movie. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, so that's uh, it's one of the big kind of big kind of like indie premieres. At the Hell festival, yeah! So that'll be there. Hell yeah. yeah! Well, you gotta mm-hmm. let me know how that is, man. Yeah. Uh, Pamela Adlon, I worship the ground that woman walks on. My God, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Oh, very cool! I can't wait till that comes out. 
Uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll, he's like we'll, fun stuff. Cool. All right. All right. Steve Procopi, tell everybody about where they can see your stuff and read your stuff and all that. Wait, Al- Eric didn't mention Civil War. I can't believe you didn't mention oh. Civil well, War. Oh, the reason the reason I didn't mention Civil War is because yeah, they they scheduled it after a late. It was a late edition of the festival, and ah. it's going to be on the Wednesday when I'm leaving. Oh, that's oh, Alex, I, Alex, I, Alex, the great Alex Garland's new movie. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Who I I love. I and by the way, Men made my top twenty list the year it came out. I don't give a shit what anybody <laughs> yeah. says. I love that movie. But anyway, Alex Garland's new insane ass movie, uh, Civil mm-hmm. War, which looks timely, scaring and, people before it even scary. hits theaters. It, yeah, no, it seems yeah. like it, it seems like it's a documentary at this point. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's coming out too. All right, Steve, tell everybody about your yes. stuff. So in addition to the Movie Madness podcast every week with Eric, uh, you can read my reviews and interviews at thirdcoastreview.com, and you can uh, find me spending a great deal of time at the Music Box Theater uh, just for various reasons. <laughs> uh, sometimes working, sometimes just hanging out. But yes, I'm the PR manager there, so... Right. There a lot of cool a stuff. A lot of cool stuff, as usual, happening at the music yeah. box. There is the film festival that is. Uh, is who? Somebody is getting a lot of. Uh, that's not me. That's, that's, that was me. And some that beepings and some clippies and some all kinds of buzzies and all kinds of stuff. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, so uh, so there's a lot of really cool stuff happening at the music box all the time, including um, upcoming uh, in late uh, March is the Ennio Morricone uh, mm-hmm. festival, which is movies, uh, a bunch of movies that he composed the score for. So that's coming up. And then uh, another one that you guys just announced, uh, mm-hmm. which is happening in April, right? It starts in April or in. Yeah. Yeah. April uh, 5th to the 11th. Yeah. April 5th to the 11th is a 3d festival. Now, uh, first of all, Steve, explain how this came about and that you guys installed a system and all that. Give us the story of how 3D became now a part of the Music Box Theater and then tell us about the festival. And we should be very clear, this is digital 3D. So um, it's it's a very high-end 3D system. Um, The glasses are very expensive, so we are being very careful with them. And uh, But basically, because we wanted to play the Vim Vendors film Anselm a couple weeks ago, we decided to invest in installing this like brand new digital 3D system. And uh, but we don't want to just use it for one movie. So we decided to, to sort of really let people know the breadth of everything we can show with this 3D system. Uh, we're having this festival and we're kind of pulling from all air, er- almost all eras of 3D. What I found out recently was that the reason the the stuff that like when when 3D kind of made a comeback in the 80s, um, a lot of that's not available digitally. It's only on film, so we can't play it. Uh, but everything, pretty much, and I'm sure it will be at some point. But everything else, so everything else is pretty much available, new and very old. So uh, we're we're kicking things off with Creature from the Black Lagoon. Classic. Uh, which is paired with because it's so short we're pairing it with uh the three stooges short spooks um they made two i think you said two 3d films yeah shorts this is one of them both with Um, shemp both with shemp uh, yeah yeah so my my favorite stooge by the way anyway um (laughs) yeah and then and then going forward from there it's it's we're doing everything from like dial m for murder um house of wax hugo um there's a uh I believe it's a, I forget if it's Chinese or uh, it's a film called Long Day's Journey into Night. We're doing a couple. We're doing that Godard film, Goodbye to Language. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, was a, is one of the hardest 3D films I've ever had to watch in my life. 
Uh, we're showing Toy Story 3. Uh, we're showing the retro-fitted Top Gun 3D. Um, we're showing uh, one of the Music Box of Horrors people are presenting Saw 3D. Uh, we're showing uh, Prometheus. Did I say Hugo? Hugo is one. Gravity. Um, and I think but the one that it, what was funny was when we first came up with this idea, it was the only movie that we all agreed immediately needed to be a part of this was Jackass 3D. Yeah. And and I was I I was at the world. I don't know if you were there, Eric, at the world premiere. Was that at South by? I think it might have been or maybe it was Fantastic Fest, but it might have been um, Fantastic Fest. It wasn't. Yeah. Because they had the world premiere and it was one of the greatest film experiences of my life. Some of the jackass guys were they were there, um, so that's playing. Um, but yes, it is. It, it's it's phenomenal. And this is just like a sampling. I don't know if this is something we're going to do every year, but we are going to. We have the ability to play this at any point. It really is just a matter of flipping a switch and getting the glasses distributed. So. Um, so we can we can bring back 3D anytime. This is not where this is not like a once a year thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the name of the series, by the way, is Triple Threat, a 3D series. And as of today, I think at noon today, being Friday, the tickets are on sale for everybody. So okay. Um, so you can check out the you know schedule and the and the, all the details about these different movies. Um, I'm very and and some some the tickets have already gone on sale to members went on sale early and there's already some front runners in terms of films that are gonna probably sell out uh, including Creature from the Black Lagoon so yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway it, it and and we should mention uh, because there there is a slightly reduced capacity for each show basically because of the number of glasses we have. Right. available so these are gonna if they're gonna sell out they're gonna sell out a little quicker than maybe some of our other stuff does gotcha. so gotcha. get your tickets immediately okay so. so get your tickets immediately for the 3d fest a lot of great stuff is going to be shown and uh having seen the vim vendors movie um in that uh, theater yeah. with the new with the new system it's great it's really really great but be really nice and careful with those glasses <laughs> they're very expensive and yeah. return them afterwards. And I understand, uh, you know, I talked to some of the people that work at the music box and they said that there are going to be people right outside with buckets, uh, uh -huh. right outside of each entrance to the theater and then right outside uh, in the lobby. So there are going to be a lot of people available to drop your 3D glasses in. So please don't leave with them. They don't work anywhere else. So it's not yeah. like, oh, I'm going to take these 3D glasses and I'm going to go to a different movie theater and use them. They don't. They work. They no. they are. They work only in that auditorium, and that's it. They are specifically designed to work with the system that is only in the music box. So if you steal the, the glasses, one, you're an asshole, and two, they're not going to work <laughs> anyplace else. And well, be kind enough, to them. Yeah. Don't break them. Don't throw them. Yeah. You know what I mean? These are. This is an expensive system, and the glasses are expensive. And it's really awesome that the music box is doing this. So don't be a dick. Be good with the glasses and bring them back. The, the bigger issue hasn't. No one has been stealing them. They've just been breaking them by mistake. Or like, so that's that's. And honestly, I got to say, the ratio of we haven't lost that many, but the ones we've lost have mostly been to breakage, yeah. not to yeah. not to stealing. So. Now, Eric, we have, what, good, we have a good crowd. What are your experiences with 3D besides the boom that oh. happened? Besides the boom that happened in the early and mid 2000s when goddamn everything was in yeah. 3D. Well, honestly, I mean, I, I, I mean, because there was that boom in the in the early to mid 80s. Yes. As well, and that's when I sort of became aware of 3D. I never, I mean, the couple movies I wanted to go see, but never had the opportunity to go see them. So my first real 
experience with 3D was when Sven Gulli did Creature <laughs> from the Black Lagoon. Well, Return of the right? Creature. Revenge of the Creature. Yeah. Well, was it Revenge of the Creature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a sequel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And he did that, on, and so you had to go buy the <laughs> yeah. red and blue glasses at 7-Eleven. Right. Uh, which we had to, I think you had to buy a Slurpee. I think, you, I think you had to buy a Slurpee or something. Well, that like wasn't that. a problem. Yeah. yeah. No, not that, a problem. That was not fine. a problem at all. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that was sort of my first experience with 3D. And, and by the way, by the impressed. way, the, by the way, the Slurpee would have worked better uh, than those glasses. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. And, and to this day, I got to tell you, that was Jesus Christ. That was the 19. That was 40 years ago. That was like almost yeah. 40 years ago. So yeah. almost 40 years ago, and he still gets letters about it. Mm-hmm. Rich still gets complaints. Like God damn it, I want my money back for the. And it's like, so and he makes it like he just showed Revenge of the yeah. Creature like two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the opening, as usual, he's like, uh, you're still complaining about when I showed it back in the <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, it was fine. I still, I yeah. used the glasses and I watch, watch Adam, Amityville 3D. On That's cable it. There you go. Work, That's you know? it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen any of the, you guys ever seen any of the classics? Like your Dial M for Murder and, you know, like House of no. Wax and, and any Absolutely. of these? Honestly, no. Yep, I have. Yeah. I have. Uh, Eric, you got to get to the, you got to get to the music. Dial M for okay. Murder is a masterpiece of 3D. Yeah. It's fantastic. Okay. And, sure. and, and I love the fact that my favorite is like, uh, like when they, when, you know, when 3D became huge in the 50s, they were like, Alfred, you got to make a, you got to make a 3D movie. You got to make a 3D movie. You got to make a 3D movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I'll just adapt a stage play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and everything is about shooting arrows or yo-yos at the screen. You know, 3D is the gimmick. And, right. um, you know, with the exception of doing depth 3D, which is what he does in Dial M, mm-hmm. there's only one gag. There's only one gag. It's when, it's when Grace uh, Kelly reaches out for the scissors when she's being attacked. That's mm-hmm. the only time there's anything ooh 3D you know like like uh you know like uh, like uh, Count Floyd used to do the whole uh, 3D <laughs> on SC on SCTV when he would do the 3D stuff and throw things at. that's the only time in the movie so like you know in order to appease you know the studio who f- basically forced Alfred Hitchcock to do a 3D movie he's like okay I'm going to adapt a very very one setting stage play that's what I'm going to make into a 3D movie <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's still amazing it's still amazing but yeah you got to see like house of wax is a blast and and uh, creature from the black all of those movies are fantastic to see and mm-hmm. and if anything you got to see spooks you got to see the the <laughs> the, the shemp uh, mm-hmm. three stooges short it's fantastic to see in 3D sure. so but it get there and the technology that you guys have at the music box is fantastic it's going to be a great festival and um, yeah. and jackass 3D of course is is, ma- is magnificent so that goes without saying yeah too. all right Okay, so the 3V Fest of the Music Box is happening. And to get uh, tickets and full schedule and all the information for all the other cool stuff that's happening at the Music Box, uh, always check it out at Music Box Theater with the R-E spelling, musicboxtheater.com, musicboxtheater.com. And you can get your tickets for the 3D Fest, which went on sale today. Go on sale today. So there you go. All right, cool. All right, we got some movies to talk about. We are going to talk about the Oscars. The Oscars are going to be handed out on March 10th. Um. So, Eric, are you going to be at South by when the Oscars are happening, or are you going to be home by then? Yeah, yeah, but I've actually, like last year, I ended up uh, making my schedule in a way where I'll get to actually watch them. Like last okay. year, I sat in the hotel with some barbecue and watched the Oscars. It was great. Oh, that's nice. You got some, bar- yeah. you got some, you got some Austin barbecue, and you're watching the Oscars. That sounds like a good yeah. night. 
Yeah, right. well, I, I started with Hypnotic, and then got some barbecue, and then watched the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh my Sunday my last year. God, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, part of it was good, uh, <laughs> That's I guess. right. All right. Well, it'll be fun this year. We'll talk about it a, a, a little bit later on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Oscars and in, 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 uh, in what the highlights are going to be and what we have for as far as predictions. But basically, anything with has the name Oppenheimer on it is going to win. So that's uh, that's essentially <laughs> it. But let's get to some new movies. We got a couple of new movies to talk about, and the first one um, is called Spaceman, um, and it's an unusual movie. In it, <laughs> I guess it's unusual because of its star. The star is Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. and when you hear what it's about and who directed it and <laughs> and other details like who his co-stars are, it becomes a little bit more unusual because it's Adam Sandler. Although he's not a stranger to dramatic roles or things like that and he's capable of doing them i'm punch drunk love and uncut gems and uh that basketball movie he was really good in hustle he was good in that too Mm -hmm. so he's capable of doing it especially punch drunk love and i love uncut gems um but this is kind of a a little bit weirder than that um and it's on netflix it it drops on netflix today um and it is a netflix movie I don't know. Is it playing on any? Is it playing in any theaters, or is it just exclusively streaming on Netflix? Because sometimes they put them in theaters for. It, I think it, it it's did just play Netflix. in the suburbs. I, no, no, no. It played in the theaters this past week. So, oh, okay. Because uh, I know some people that saw it in theaters. Okay, so it played a few the theaters. Suburbs. Okay, yeah, played yeah. a few theaters, and it was out there for a little bit. But as of today, you can stream it on Netflix. So, uh, Eric, tell us all about uh, Spaceman. Okay, uh, well, this is a new film from Johan Renk, uh, who I guess is probably best known. He's done a lot of television, but is kind of best known for doing episodes of Chernobyl, the HBO miniseries. Right. Um, and uh, this feature film, which is an adaptation of a book called Spaceman of Bohemia, stars Adam Sandler as Jakub, uh, who is a Czechoslovakian cosmonaut. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like Wisconsin. Uh, but <laughs> he is... <laughs> He's been uh, alone in space, I think it's for like 18 months. Uh, He's on a mission uh, to discover what is, there's this sort of like this purple-like cloud of particles that has just been visible over the the world, uh, over the Earth for some time. Uh, So he's on this mission to sort of find out what the origin of this might be. Uh, So he's been alone. Uh, for eighteen, I think it's I think it was eighteen months if I remember right. Uh, I think it's actually I think this is only I think it's only six months, Eric. I, I think oh, it's is it only months. six months? It's six oh, months wow. into a year long mission. Yeah. Well, that wow, space travel's really progressed then. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's takes... kind of the point. That's one of the things they yeah. bring up in the movie is that they they're able to like communicate faster and move. Yeah, go faster. Right. So so he's actually flying to like the other side of Jupiter. To go right. see this cloud, so yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Okay, I saw so my timeline's a little bit messed up, but hey, six months, eighteen <laughs> months, whatever it is. But uh, but he's been missing his wife, uh, who's played by Carrie Mulligan, who is clearly on on the ground, uh, and uh, she is pregnant with their child, um, and uh, a development that he is not uh, made aware of. Uh, is that she is basically ready to leave him, uh, and they have, uh, you know, they do communications uh, to one another, uh, and she records this uh, tape of basically a tearful sort of goodbye, saying that she's leaving him. Uh, she can't handle the loneliness anymore. Uh, there were some issues with him just leaving in the first place, and she's basically done. Uh, Isba R- Rossellini plays the commanding officer of the mission, and she becomes <laughs> made aware of this tape and going like, nope, not sending that. Not sending that. This guy's got enough problems to to, to worry about his wife uh, bailing on him uh, midway through this mission. 
Uh, but uh, Jakob, while you know, might be going a little bit stir crazy uh, and a little, certainly a little sad uh, on board, uh, does get a visitor in the form of a giant spider that just one day appears in his craft, uh, initially obviously scaring him at first, uh, especially when it talks to him. Uh, he names the spider Hanush, uh, and it is voiced by Paul Dano, uh, who claims as a, as a creature has been around since the beginning of time, uh, and is there to observe Sandler's character, Jakob, and is basically kind of, uh, upset with what he finds because of basically just how sad and lonely and, you know, almost pathetic he seems, uh, is not really going to learn much from him. Uh, but at least he has a companion to now, you know, bounce a few ideas off of, and they talk about uh, the beginning of the universe and what our places might be and the, the, the fractured relationship uh, between uh, husband and wife and stuff, all drifting towards uh, this cloud uh, in the hopes of discovering exactly what that is and, you know, if it's going to save the planet or whatever. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's movies like, you know, I, this is a movie, I'll just say right off the bat, is that I wish I liked more. Uh, it's got so many pieces in place that I really love responding to in science fiction movies. Uh, it's kind of got it's got big ideas. It's sort of a solo one man show for Adam Sandler. Uh, I think it's a little unusual. I know that this is like a, a, a Czechoslovakian story, I guess, uh, but it seems a little. I was a little off putting at first to realize that he's doing Czechoslovakian accent through the entire film. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a very strange transition watching Sandler do this, but. Uh, Sandler, as time and time again, has shown that he does have dramatic chops, and I think he is good in this movie. I just wish that the story had a little more meat on its bones. Uh, I mean, honestly, compared to with the conversations that uh, him and uh, Hanush the Spider have, uh, I mean, if you just if you replaced the setting of this movie as just some dorm with him hitting a bong for an hour and a half, I think it'd be the exact same experience as drifting him off into space. It's like, there's not, there's a lot of, you know, a foreground conversation type stuff, but I mean, not that I'm expecting the answers to the, you know, the beginning or the end of the universe, but, uh, I expected a little more meat, at least on the relationship aspect of it. And one of the biggest problems I have with the movie is, they, they uh, Carrie Mulligan is one of the most severely underwritten characters that I've seen in a movie like this in some time. Uh, she, there's not much to her. Uh, she, the way that she comes off because we don't know much about uh, the entire history between the two of them. Uh, she just comes off as just that kind of nagging wife on the on the surface that is upset that her man left, and everything that she is is basically seen through his eyes. So I, I think that that she's a severely unwritten character. Uh, I do like the final scene. I think the final scene is really kind of lovely and nicely written. I wish there was more of that. I wish there was a lot more like Starman, which we watched, you know, the other night. Yeah. That there's a little bit more about the, the the. I mean, again, there's some basic conversations there, but the 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 emotions are real, and I never got that emotionally invested in this. It's not a bad movie. Uh, it's only like 90 minutes, a little, little more than 90 minutes long, uh, but uh, I just, I wish there was just more to it. So okay. I'm not quite recommending Spaceman. All right. Um, Steve, what'd you think? I don't, I don't think we're that far off, Eric, but I, did you say that they had accents in this movie? Because I don't think anyone had a Try to put Sandler on has an accent. Yeah. Sandler has an accent. In the I didn't notice that at he all. Because everyone else yeah. just seems to be using their own voice. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, I look. I'm a, I'm a, I'm typically a huge fan of sad astronaut movies. So, yeah. uh, you give me Solaris, either version, Moon, Ad Astra, whatever. I'll, I'll watch it. And, and I like this. Actually, this director. I, I, I know he did Chernobyl, but I think before that he was probably, or even after that, he's pretty much known for doing like these really groundbreaking music videos with like Madonna and David Bowie and some other people like that. So that's, that's more how I know him. But so that's what made me excited about seeing this. But I feel like, I feel like Spaceman Khan wants it both ways. Like it wants to be this existential exercise about why humans don't always respond sensibly to their emotions. He's constantly chat. Like the, the spider is constantly challenging Jakob about, well, why would you leave this woman if she loved you so much? And why are you sad about it? Even though, you know, you don't have to, just be passive about her. Let, like he, I mean, he doesn't know that she's letting him go officially, but he kind of knows how distant they were when he left. So he's sensing that there's an issue and he's trying desperately to communicate with her and the people on earth are trying to keep her away from, from him because they know she's going to break up with him and probably drive him further into depression. So um, I, 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 so it wants to be that, but then it also wants to be this more like, pure science fiction exercise with like logical events that are explained and understood. I don't, I don't need all my questions answered by the end of every movie I see. Um, but because the unexplained is the place where discussions begin, but like this film kind of wants to explain everything, but, but not the stuff it can't really explain. And I feel like by the end, it just kind of turns into this murky mess. Um, I, I still don't even understand why he had to take this mission by himself. Like, I feel like just having another astronaut, a cosmonaut up there with him would have alleviated a lot of his loneliness. So I'm still not quite sure I understand that, but or if they even bothered to explain that. But um, and, and you're right about Mulligan being underwritten. I, I don't believe for the one thing I had the hardest time with was believing that a character like that would any character with any amount of feeling or emotion in their body would never leave an astronaut like break up with an astronaut while he's in space that doesn't make any sense like no that would never happen i don't think a person would do that but um so i don't know it's a mixed bag both sort of dramatically and as a piece of like science a sensitive science fiction i don't think it i don't have any problems with the actual performances i think everybody in it's pretty pretty good um I, th I guess I found it more baffling than, than actually terrible. So um, anyway, yeah, so also kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah, mixed for me too at best. I was, uh, I, I was reasonably uninterested uh, for a lot of it, and I thought there was a lot of stuff that seemed repetitive uh, to me. But basically, though, I will say this. Eric, the whole thing about like um, him, he may as well be like hitting, doing bong hits. I mean, that just struck me as really funny because I <laughs> that's the first time it occurred to me. But, yeah, I mean, it may as well be right? like dorm room blowing weed uh, and just chatting with your plant, mm -hmm. with a plant that's sitting right. next to you or something. Uh, and that's what it seemed like to me. There's not a whole lot of insight into it. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody in it does the best they can with what they're doing. I think, you know, Adam Sandler is fine, you know, doing it. And he, you know, um, he's capable of doing dramatic stuff. I just don't think this is really interesting or strong material you know that's all um so i don't know you know i don't i, I wasn't and i thought of other things you know like you, you mentioned a couple of movies steve and i, I thought of like silent running um mm -hmm. while while i was watching yeah. this which is a much you know also similar in terms of like kind of 
uh, lots of like thoughts and hippy dippy stuff. And, uh, and I thought a little bit about that. Uh, and some of the other, like, uh, you know, obviously some people will think of the Martian, uh, in, in, in some regard, although there's no potatoes in this movie. And, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, so it, it, so it evokes memories from other movies that you mentioned, Steve, and some other stuff too. And, and, it, and by comparison, it just, you know, it, it, it doesn't hold up by comparison. Um, I just didn't really care. I found it a little confounding at times. Not nearly as smart as it kind of pretends to be. And when it was all over, I was like, nah. I didn't hate it. I didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy it very much. Like you guys, when it was, when it was over, I was just like, all right, I could have spent 90 minutes doing something else. But I didn't hate it. So that's right. such a wishy-washy. <laughs> that's such a wishy-washy review. That's kind of how I felt about it, though. The, the um, spider looked cool. The spider looked cool. I'll give it yeah, a spider look. Yeah, and I, you know, and, and yeah, the spider looked cool. And I like Paul Dano, you know, the yeah. voice and all that stuff. And so, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people involved in this movie I really like a lot. And yeah, technically, yeah. technically, it's, you know, it's pretty well put together. I just didn't think the script was all that interesting. And there was a lot of, and I think you summed it up best, Eric, right at the top here. It's like, it's like <laughs> watching a guy, you may as well be sitting in a dorm room blowing weed. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> So that's space, man. Uh, available on yeah. Netflix, and we're as wishy-washy as we can possibly be. <laughs> now, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I guarantee you that the next review we do is not going to be wishy-washy <laughs> in any way uh, on either sides of the of the aisle here. But um, we are now uh, the eagerly, well, eagerly not for everybody, but eagerly awaiting the release <laughs> of Dune Part 2, which was delayed because of uh, the actor strike, it was supposed to come out last October, and because of the because of the actor and writer strike, uh, they held off on doing it, and now it has been finally uh, released today in March. Um, after waiting since October of 2021 for uh, Dune Part One, and at that point we didn't know it was going to be Dune Part One until actually you know we saw it and went, oh, that's only half the book, so there's going to have to be <laughs> a Dune Part Two. Uh, this is um, D- uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, uh, follow-up to the original uh, part, uh, part one. It's got the same cast and some new people, and it carries on where directly where the first movie left off, which means about halfway through Frank Herbert's novel. So this is Dune Part Two, um, and it's the I guess it's, so far at this point it's the biggest release of the year. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, we're early in, oh, but yeah. at this point it's the biggest blockbuster, biggest release of the year. And probably the movie that's going to make the most money. And I want to talk about the box office potential in a few minutes there, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dune Part 2, tell us all about what it, what the deal is, Steve. Yeah, so like as often is the case with origin stories, there's a great deal of like world building and character establishment that has to play out before we can even get to the actual plot. So that was basically the case with the first chapter of, of Dune that Denis Villeneuve did. And um, in what apparently is going to be, a, I guess, a trilogy, a Dune trilogy now. So... Um, and as a result, the, the movie is vast in scope, but a little, to me, it was like a little slower in pacing. And um, to my recollection, the film didn't really kick in almost until the, the story relocated to the harsh desert planet of Arrakis. And, and Paul Atreides, played by Timothy Chalamet, and his mother Jessica, played by Rebecca Ferguson, joined up with the local people called Fremen and began plotting revenge uh, on those who destroyed the rest of Paul's family. Um and that all happens damn near at the end of Dune Part 1. So now Villeneuve is done with the world building uh, or the universe building. Um, and he's actually able to like bring this novel to life along with co-screenwriter John, uh, I guess it's Spates is how you say his name. But anyway, 
we this is when we get to the good stuff and and what results is dune part two like a sweeping emotionally driven and sometimes disturbing epic science fiction tale that has everything from beautifully realized action set pieces to a messiah story that takes a turn some might not expect um the villains i think are more interesting both the ones we already know and the new ones introduced in this chapter and there are a handful of characters who allegiances we're still not quite clear on, which makes them the most interesting people in the movie and well worth keeping an eye on as we go forward. So obviously the Fremen are back. Um, they're acting as uh, including Paul's guide and love interest, Chani, played by Zendaya. Um, and the leader, Solgar, played by Javier Bardem, who turns out to be something of a, relig a religious zealot and believes Paul is the Fremen's like spiritual leader unlike uh, others like Chani don't believe in messiahs and feel that um, the leader of the Fremen should be one of their own, which Paul tends to agree with for most of the film. Uh, we also get the return of Paul's mentor, Josh Brolin's character, um, Gurney, who, who survived the war in the first film and has uh, been something of a spice smuggler ever since, sort of hiding in the desert with other outcasts. Uh, he's not only thrilled Paul is alive, but sees his ascension as a means to put the Atreides family kind of back in power. Um, meanwhile, Paul's mother, Jessica, is flexing her witchy upbringing and becomes the Fremen's sort of religious reverend. What is it? The case? Reverend Mother? No, what do they call her? I forget yeah. the exact Reverend right. Mother. Right. Reverend yeah, mother, Reverend Mother. Yeah. Okay, yeah. after drinking this poison that only certain women can survive ingesting, any man who drinks it's going to die, or so we're, so we're told. Uh, Jessica is also pregnant um, and is able to communicate with her unborn daughter and in some, something of like an advisory capacity, which kind of influences a lot of what the film, with the directions the film goes. As for the villains, we get Stellan Skarsgård, uh, Baron Harkonnen, Harkonnen uh, had a, uh, the, the architect of the destruction of House Atreides is back. He has his primary henchman and nephew, uh, played by Dave Bautista, who's back. Um, who's been tasked to by the Baron to sort of clear Arrakis of, of any Fremen who are constantly destroying their spice harvesters, um, uh, who, you know, and so we, we also get, um, the, we get to see the, I don't think the emperor was in the first movie, but no, nope, uh, Christopher, not. Christopher Walken shows up as the emperor, nope. uh, who would turn, we find out allowed the destruction of the house of Trades, uh, in order to increase spice business and keeps, Paul's father from getting any more power. We're also introduced to the Emperor's uh, daughter, daughter um, played by Florence Pugh, who is clearly a gifted leader and strategist, despite being kind of used as a pawn by those currently in control. Um, I think perhaps the most interesting of the new characters is the Baron's other nephew, played by Austin Butler, uh, who is easily, this is easily the best work I've seen him do. Um, playing an absolutely psychotic warrior who is brought in to replace the Batista character when he can't get the job done. Um, since the film is rated PG-13, I should mention, like, we only get hints of what this maniac is capable of, but it's clear that his primary fetish is pain, both giving and receiving. So many of the scenes in which his character is, is shown battling people to the death are shown in black and white, um, as if seeing it in color would be too shocking. I don't know. But I, I love that choice, actually. The the entire film kind of builds to the showdown between him and Paul that's about as brutal and nasty as possible in what is meant to be, I guess, with PG-13, a family-friendly movie. I don't know. But um, 
that almost makes it more believable and gripping. It's clear by that the entirety of Dune Part Two is build like built towards something bigger. The scale of the battle scenes get larger. Um, after kind of teasing them in part one, we get so many sandworm appearances in part two that audiences might actually get a little blasé about seeing them. Um, insert, you know, your popcorn bucket joke here, I guess. But then also uh, the emotions and stakes feel more impactful this time. It, it's clear that Paul and Shawnee are in love, but the universe and his mother, I think, have bigger plans for Paul. Um and as much as he resists the call for him to become a religious leader, um, circumstances may leave Paul no other choice. So th this transformation he's making this film is not gentle. It's not gradual. It's, it's almost vi it's violent at times. Um, and when Paul kind of turns, Chalamet shows us why he was chosen for this role. I think he is displaying like a fury of righteous indignation that I was not expecting. And, and it, yeah, it, it, there's a, there's a couple great scenes with him toward the end. I was like, Whoa, I didn't know Chalamet had that in him. I thought he was gentle anyway. So, um, I think for many Dune part two is the Dune movie they have been waiting for from Villeneuve and splitting the films now makes much more sense in terms of telling the story properly and patiently. And this feels like a payoff for our patients. And the fact that things once again, end on something of a cliffhanger only makes me more excited to see what's coming next. Um, at one point, Paul makes it clear that he sees his fate and the fate of the known universe as, as only a true prophet can. And I hope Villeneuve has the same clear vision moving forward. I think uh, it's evident he worships this material and I think he's done something bordering on miraculous with this second chapter. So yes, this is, playing everywhere and you can go see it in 70 millimeter at the music box too so that's right and it's only anyway. playing in 70 millimeter the music box because yes um mm -hmm. last year when uh oppenheimer was released in imax and on big screens and also in 70 millimeter it was being shown in a lot of theaters in 70 yeah. uh that yeah. you could see but this is the only option you have in the chicagoland area is uh -huh. the music box if you want to see it in 70 um, um so that that's 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 kind of an important distinction because like you know when oppenheimer came out there were other theaters that were available uh, to see it yeah. in 70. So anyway, if you're interested in seeing it in 70. Okay, uh, Eric, mm -hmm. <laughs> where do you stand on Dune Park? Just say, just say ditto, uh, Eric. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that, Patrick Swayze. Uh, so uh, before I get to my review, I, need, I do need a ruling on something. Is it Harkonnen or Harkonnen? Well, okay, here's the thing. Nick, you, uh, you can answer this. Here, okay, here's the thing. Yeah. It, all yeah. of the years that I have read the book... Mm -hmm. uh, and in the other two um, adaptations and Lynch's version, yeah. it's Harkonnen. But in this, okay. they say Harkonnen. But they also, if you notice, there are a couple of characters who say Harkonnen in uh, in, oh. in in Denis' version. I missed that. So it okay. can, yep, no, it can go either way. So, uh, okay. but I grew up when I read this book when I was like thirteen. I've always said Harkonnen. Uh, but yeah. then when I saw Denis' first movie and people said Harkonnen, I was like, oh, that's weird. But then they say it both ways in this movie. So okay. I, I don't I know if that's something. The... Yeah. Yeah. No, no I, there, I, there, I, are just... there are characters in part two that say Harkonnen. Okay. And then there are characters okay. like, but almost all of references to uh, the Harkonnen in the first movie, they say Harkonnen. 
but yeah, I, so I, I did watch. So basically, yeah. I did not answer your question. So okay, no, no, no but that's fine. <laughs> but I just want to make sure, like, that the, if there was a definitive answer, I really wanted to know that. I, because my I think, entire you know, my entire life uh, with that material until I saw Denise's movie in 2021, I said Harkonnen. My yeah, entire life. So. And I, th- I personally think that that's the right way because I think a well-placed vowel emphasis makes it sound more villainy while the other <laughs> sounds like your local grocery store. So I, I got to go pick up a, some uh, I got to go pick up some bananas at the Harkonnen. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. So you see, we're uh, simpatico right here, at least for the time being. So I, that, uh, I appreciate that. Right. Uh, I promise my remaining criticisms will not be so nitpicky. Uh, well, I mean, get into it. The first film, I, the part one, I did not like. Uh, yeah. But I, I rewatched it the day before seeing part two, and I had the same experience with it. The first 90 minutes I found interesting again, but then I quickly remembered why I felt so distanced from it, because I thought, frankly, it had no personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone throwing around the word epic because it has a big cast and a big budget. Just I don't, I don't think are paying quite attention, because I think it's a shockingly unimmersive experience singular sets a couple costume changes and ultimately a lot of sand with that final hour of part one i think being pure boredom stretched out ad nauseum to ultimately get two parts out of this thing very hobbit like when you consider that from 1984 to 2021 there's only a 15 minutes gap that separates the moment of the big harkonnen attack sequence they come about 50 there's about 15 minutes later in the the 2021 version than it does in the lynch version so yes the lynch version certainly rushes to its conclusion with roughly an hour left in the film and could have used another 30 40 60 minutes yeah. itself to expand upon some ideas and situations but villanue's films could use a hell of a lot of tightening i think maybe even down to one film because i don't think he accomplishes anything further with part two uh, which I had much the same reaction to. It starts off with some interesting stuff. A couple set pieces are nicely handled, but again, when you basically just have a singular location that consists 95% of sand and dust, it doesn't make for much of anything epic. I'm like, oh, look, they blew up another ship the same way. Okay, great. Uh, what did interest me was the whole idea of the powerful and the religious using the idea of a messiah to control a people. Yeah. And Rebecca Ferguson being front and center of that, and whenever she is on screen, I think she towers over everything else, and that was true in part one, too. But I don't think there's enough of that, as the script seems more interested in Paul's relationship with his, you know, sand person, than that. Uh, plus, I am not that interested in a literal prince of the universe finding the will to become the de facto leader of an indigenous tribe. Uh, and so, which leads me to Timothy Chalamet, who I know has worked his Messiah-like charms on you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, I liked him doing Young Man Angston, Call Me By Your Name, and I think he's been fine as a supporting player. But in both this and Wonka, I just don't think he has much there to carry such big projects as a viable lead. I just don't. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård interpretation of the Baron, I think, is straight-up flat boring. I can appreciate the sort of metaphorical gluttonous of raping the land and all that, but as a character, he is forgettable in an instant, especially compared to Kenneth McMillan's dialed-up and grossly disfigured version from 1984. So yeah. every time he's on screen, he's instantly forgettable to me. I know the book, we talked about this last night, Nick, I know the book is incredibly influential and has been in many ways picked clean by so many sci-fi films and fiction in its wake that I have loved over the years. Yeah. But, you know, so was John Carter of Mars, and that movie wasn't great either. 
Um, so obviously I'm coming from a place not read any of the books, but I have read about them and I have seen every incarnation, movies and TV of the story. So I can only judge from that. And what I've seen are two movies that lack the kind of visionary personality that Lynch's film did. That felt like a universe. This feels like a location. Uh, and I don't even, I don't remember if part two had the line, the sleeper has awakened, but if it did, it was probably talking about me at the end of it. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Um, I'll stand back now. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, and I, I, listen, I've been, I've read this, I read the book um, when I was like 13 or 14 when I first read it. And it was, it was amazing to me. And, and um, I think it's an incredible series of books, actually. And I think they're great. And I think Frank Herbert was uh, an astonishingly talented writer. Um, And, and I think Dune, um, you know, not just me, but I think the majority of people who, are, who have read the book or, you know, in, in history consider it a groundbreaking, one of the greatest pieces of science fiction writing, if not the best science fiction piece of, of science fiction writing of all time and has been the influence of thousands of things. And, and a lot of things, major, major pieces of science fiction, uh, literary, television, movies, uh, video games simply would not exist were it not for Dune. So the... There is, a, there is a large chunk of science fiction that we have consumed and loved over the past 60 years that would not exist without Dune. So having said that, um, I also think that the attempts to make Dune in the past have failed, but they're not without merit. Like the, the I mean, I would love to have seen uh, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's film, uh, The 14-Hour Crazy ass thing he was going to do, uh, and if you have, people have not seen uh, that that documentary about that crazy ass film that never came to fruition, you should definitely check it out. It's great. Uh, the Sci Fi Channel, um, the two series that they did, they did one, they did the first one, Dune, and then they did uh, Children of Dune. Um, those were spotty at best. They had some interesting special effects, and they were a little bit, you know, they were kind of uh, uh, faithful to the material to to you know to a fault. Lynch's movie is clearly he loved the book and he tried to do everything in his power to make a two hour and 20 minute movie out of a book that would require four to six hours to tell the entire story. And it feels that way. And it's got the crazy flourishes that, you know, David Lynch puts into all of his movies and visually it's interesting. Um, You know, and I, I just I just saw it on the big screen again a couple of weeks ago and I still I still like it. It's not. It is by no means a good adaptation of the book uh, or a solid adaptation of the book, but it's batshit crazy, and there are many things about it that I love. You mentioned Kenneth McMillan. He's fucking spectacular in it. A lot of the performances are just great, and he does add a weird Lynchian quality to it, and there are sequences in the movie that really bring the book to life. Now, having said all that, when I saw the first part of uh, Denis's movie, for me, from the moment it started, within 40 minutes into it or 45 minutes into it, I was like, okay, this is it. This is finally the tone. It's the right tone. It's the right reverence for the material. He's being smart with his cuts and uh, good with his changes. Clearly, uh, Villeneuve uh, cares about this goddamn material and loves it and wants to, to, to give it the most respect that it deserves. Um, the guy loves the material. Uh, and I loved the first movie. I loved every frame of it. I saw it, I don't know how many times. I saw it probably over 10 times in the theater. I've seen it a bunch of times on cable. I've seen it a million times. And I think it is, without question, an amazing adaptation of an amazing book. And a great setup. It's only half the book. 
Um, and uh, Dune Part Two for me, it's it is a payoff of biblical proportions to me. Anybody who has ever loved this book and kept waiting for it to be properly made, although we dig the Lynch version and you know we kind of like some of the stuff that's in the you know in the miniseries, this is it. This is the deal. All the fans of Frank Herbert's novels are getting a gift to li- delivered to them. Now, I can't be objective because I've read the books and I love the books. So, but as a film, I totally disagree with you, Eric. To me, this is completely immersive. I think there are other worlds that are that are created, not just the world of the Fremen, not just the world of the Harkonnens or the Harkonnens, or not just the world. But we had a great version of Caladan in the original film. I think that he has created universes upon universes, um, and, uh, and, and I thought the characters were brought to life beautifully. The additions, the way, he brings out, the way he brings out the story is incredible. For me, the set pieces in this movie are, you know, yes, because the first movie definitely is almost all set up. There's no question about it. The first movie is all set up. And there are sequences that, that build up and build. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the spice mining scenes in the first movie, the first one is an amazing action sequence. And there are other great action sequences. And, and like this one, it ends with a one-on-one battle. It scales everything down and ends with a, like a person-on-person battle. And that's how the first one ends, and that's how this one ends. And, um, but in, in, in what I'm trying to say here is that to me this is as big and as amazing a big Hollywood spectacle as you will ever get. This, to me, is the kind of tentpole Hollywood filmmaking that is, for me, the bar has been raised by this movie. Like, raised to the point that no one like Cameron and no one like Nolan, none of those guys will ever even be able to reach this bar uh, in creating this universe, in in executing incredible set pieces and action pieces and special effects. The, the, it's overwhelming. And to see it in IMAX and to see it on the biggest screen possible with beautiful sound and everything, this is cinema. This, to me, is a film. This is why I go to the movies. And not only that, everything about what Herbert was trying to accomplish with making a movie about fundamentalism and power that corrupts uh, and false prophets and war and religion and love and betrayal and all these movies that and all these themes that are in the movie that the the, the, the manipulation of, of 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 dumb men by smart women and just like the following of a messiah and and all of this stuff and the corruption that that goes I mean you know like the, the, what happens at the end of this movie is crushing. To me, I mean, I was emotionally mm-hmm. devastated by what happened at the end of this movie, which is the same effect that the book has on you. And Paul Atreides is a character that is deeply flawed and uh, and manipulative. And it's not just Rebecca Ferguson who's working the crowd. He is, too. And uh, and and anybody who have, who wants to be, you know, like the emperor of the universe, this comes with a, a sense of manipulation and yet there is a sense of, of connection between him and the Fremen that does exist. But ultimately what this movie is about, it's very pessimistic. It's got a nihilistic ending. And, it de- and, it, and if it goes into Dune Messiah, it goes even deeper into that. And he brings in elements from Dune Messiah into the last third of this movie that I didn't think he was going to do. But he did. With balls the size of church bells. And, and I totally disagree, Eric, with what you're saying about Timothy Chalamet. Now, I'm not saying this just because I love the guy. But I love the guy because I think he's a great actor. And what you said, Steve, about after he, after he drinks the water of life, and there is that significant change in him, mm-hmm. 
he when he walks in when he walks in to the to 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 the to the to the stadium area and everybody the Fremen are there and 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 everyone is there and he is he he's now saying that he is the leader that sequence is unbelievable and Chalamet is incredible and there is a a notable palpable sense of power that he has I think his performance is great I think all the performances in this are great for me, this is as good as it gets. This is big budget spectacle filmmaking, tentpole filmmaking that is miles above any of the other crap that you kind of see. And as a literary adaptation of the book, this is the gold standard. I loved every fucking frame of part two, and I love the first one. And together, to me, it's one of the greatest literary adaptations of all time. And, and it works on every level. And I got to tell you, um, I, you, know, I, you know, as a Dune fan, I'm telling you right now, Fans of the book, people who love Frank Herbert, people who love his message and his political message and the, and the, and the darkness of, of what he feels and the political stuff and the religious stuff that he threw in there as a cynic, people who love the books for what they are and the nature of that are going to adore this movie. And that's, you know, so I, I think it's, I, I, I doubt, maybe with the exception of Furiosa, I doubt I'll see a better movie this year. So I adored it. Anyway, I don't know, you know, but that's how I feel. But I read the book 900 times, so that probably has something to do with it. I can speak as someone who never read the book, and I adore it too. So it's yeah. not just yeah. going to – because I'm guessing it's going to be more of them than people who know the book as well as you do, who so go see this. So No, I'm, no, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm not saying that people who haven't read the book yeah, shouldn't yeah. see it. I think every human yeah. being on the planet should see this movie because it's a fucking work of art and a piece of cinema that mm-hmm. people should experience on the biggest screen possible because this is filmmaking making at its highest. I mean, this to me, this is the reason I go to movies. Not just because mm-hmm. I read the book, well, but everything that's on display technically in this movie is as good as it fucking gets. So anyway, I adored it. All right, you know what? Now we don't have time to talk about the Oscar prediction. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so really quickly, the telecast, all I care about is uh, uh, Ryan Gosling is performing I'm Just Ken. That's it. That's all I care okay. about. And okay. then, um, I mean, all right, really quickly, is Best Actor going to go to Killian? Because I think it is. I think so. Yeah. I think so, yes. Steve, you think so? I am torn. I, okay. I still hold out hope that Giamatti's got a Me little too. juice. Me too. I just yeah, don't yeah. think I, I don't, after he won the SAG when 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 Killian won the SAG, I'm like, that's it. It's done. Uh, yeah. And and once again, G- Giamatti is going to get screwed. Um, I want to see the holdovers get one other Oscar besides Best Supporting Actress. So I, I just want to see it like get something I else. Screenplay, screenplay is possible, possible, but yeah, Anatomy yeah. of a Fall, only... I think, might have a I know. lead on that. Yep. I think so too. You're, you're right. Well, the other thing is like because the other ones are a lock. I think. I mean, obviously, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actor, definitely a lock. I think mm-hmm. actor is a lock. The only one that's kind of up for grabs at this point, I think, is actress. Um, it's either going to be. I think Gladstone. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. I, but I do too because they want to go for history. But if they want to actually give mm-hmm. the award to the person who deserves it, it's clearly Emma Stone. Yes. Well, that's truth. All truth. Yes. Yes. All truth. So, but I mean, best picture director, that's Oppenheimer. Uh, yes. uh, adapted screenplay, Oppenheimer. Um, I don't know. There I disagree. Uh, no, I, I don't think I, so. I. I think Barbie could come through here. No fucking way. I think right. Barbie could come through. Wow. I would be thrilled beyond belief if yeah. that happened. Okay. Yeah. All right. So watch the end category. And, and, and the other the technical Eric, awards. Yeah. yeah. Good. I was going to say, say the only other. I thought that American fiction was kind of running the 
was leading the pack oh, right that's now. True. That's, that's, that's in the it's in the running. Okay. That's why yeah. I think right. that there's gonna be there's a couple of categories like or a couple yeah. uh, titles in that category that I think could knock okay. up. And plus, they're gonna give it a director. They're gonna give him pictures. They're gonna get all these other awards. I think that this is. I think yeah. that the outrage may shift oh, that's, to that's Barbie winning this award. Uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting yeah. take. I also think though that a lot of the technical stuff is uncertain because it's either going to be Oppenheimer or poor things. Like if you're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, like, like costume design is going to yeah. go to, well, that's either, that's either poor things or Barbie uh, for that. But you've yeah. got also Barbie's like, not, oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Barbie's art di- right. art direction, stuff like that. I mean, there's a, there's a good thing that poor things is a good chance that poor things is going to excel in those, in those categories. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. And we'll talk about it after afterwards. Uh, listen, Eric, have a great trip at South by and, um, and yes. we'll talk to you when thank you get you. back. Steve, thank you, buddy. Thank you guys yeah. both. All right, Thanks. take Thank care. You. There you go. And there's uh, Eric and uh, and Steve, and we went long. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's what happens when you start talking about Dune. I just start talking. It's the best movie ever, and you got to go see it. Don't listen to Eric. It's awesome. All right. Hey, you know who rules? Uh, Esmeralda Leon. Here she is. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah. Get yourself some asthma. Love me some asthma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Yeah. Esmeralda. It's Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Always a pleasure to talk to Esmeralda because she rules. And you hear that theme song, and that means it's time to talk to Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm good. It's March 1st, so rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. So uh, uh, the big uh, the big springtime uh, months begin, and um, so, yeah, there we go. Uh, so you got plans for the weekend or anything? Uh, nope. Nope? Okay. <laughs> Just enjoying the, enjoying nope. the weather? It was it was interesting, wasn't it? You know, it was really funny for people who, uh, who are not listening or don't live in Chicago on the outside of Chicago. We've had some pretty insane weather over the past uh, four or five days. And, oh yes, and uh, like insane, right? Um, yeah. Thanks, so like, climate change. Yeah. So like it was like seventy five right on Tuesday. Yeah. And then like an insane storm with like softball size hail and winds and tornadoes and all kinds of crazy shit happened mm-hmm. then it dropped to 20 and there was ice and snow and it was freezing yesterday it's supposed to go up to 60 today it's just been insane and here's the thing for people who don't know there is a legendary uh uh weatherman here that works uh for wgn uh channel 9 and uh and and you know is known across the country i think his name mm-hmm. is tom skilling yeah. and tom skilling um retired today so I think it was on purpose. I think this shit happened so that his last few days, his last few days. <laughs> the weather, weather got together and was exa- like, let's, let's do something fun for him. Exactly. Because he loves this kind of shit. You know that. I mean, you know, Tom, yeah. Tom thrives on this. He, like, he is full on in his element when crazy ass weather happens. And my God, for like 48 to 50 hours straight, it was absolute insanity. He was on... You know, there were bulletins, there was coverage of tornadoes, there was all kinds of shit. He was on TV straight for hours. And, and I'm convinced that the weather gods said, 
let's make the last few days t- of Tom Skilling's you know career really interesting. That's what, <laughs> that's what I think happened. But yeah, no, it's been it's been nuts. It's been nuts. But I guess you know, I guess we're okay now. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Who yeah. Knows is right. Yeah. Is so. it'll be co- it's gonna be cold again? You know, like yeah. usual. Like usual, like like well, yeah, the craziness. But uh, the weather guys, yeah, 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 that's yeah. them. That's how I picture. Yeah, I picture the weather guys yeah. doing that because of uh, because <laughs> because they want to mess with uh, they want to mess with Tom. So, Uh-oh. hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. How are you? She's wearing a Tom Skilling rules shirt. Oh, nice. Oh, she's selling those. All right, Carrie. Thank you. Hi, See I'm you. Carrie Russell, yeah, yeah. and right, I right. love Nick's show. Yeah, she has hail damage. Uh, for her, her, uh, you know, her, her T-shirt equipment got hail damage because of that. So. Yeah, I could imagine. She's trying to sue me for it. Hi, uh, I'm Carrie Russell. No, Carrie, you're not getting I it. love I don't have Nick's any money show. to give you. All right, you got it. Right, anyway. <laughs> so. That's the thing, like, Carrie... I don't know. You should have put out the insurance. That's right. You no, know, you know the risks of being on a porch. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> right. Running a business. You need to get that emu guy, that Limu emu or whatever yes. the hell. Limu emu, just the emu. <laughs> just the emu, the emu only deals with porch, porch insurance <laughs> for small businesses. He specializes in porch insurance. <laughs> That's it. Fun, fun fact that's all fun. he does <laughs> that's all he does i would love to open up my back door and see the emu out there that right? would be I that mean, would yeah, be pretty and cool does house calls yeah, yeah. great that would be great great so, service uh, <laughs> all right well she's out there selling t-shirts and uh all kinds of crazy by the way you know who celebrated a birthday this past week who's that Ladies and gentlemen michael bolton yeah, he celebrated a oh, birthday. Oh, good for him. Yeah, I can't remember how old he is, but uh, maybe his, his age is a secret because he's so timeless, as we all know. Uh, he is apparently 71. 71, Michael Bolton. It's a happy gentlemen, birthday. Michael yeah. Bolton. He is a youthful 71, and he'll be back out on the road, and we'll be hanging with him very soon as we uh, keep track mm-hmm. of, yeah. of, the, of, the, of the road trips that we go on with the great Michael Bolton. So, right. Happy, happy well, we birthday. can never say no to him. You no, know? you can't. You can't, especially on his birthday. You can't say no he to Michael. He calls Bolton. us. It's like you should come <laughs> on. It's like ah, oh, Michael. We've seen you so many times. Come but on, man. But he's like, you're oh, our friend. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Come on. So anyway, um, all right. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, Esmeralda, I, I'm sharing some fun news. Uh, last night, as we record this, last night I hosted my first movie screening in over four years. Nice. Uh, remember how I used to do the screenings? Thank you. I used to do the screenings at the well. It was the Movie Code. Then it was the then it was the Car Mike, and then now it's the AMC mm-hmm. Rosemont mm-hmm. Theater out there. And I used to host them monthly at the Nick D Film Club, and it was fun. It was great. I got to pick the movie and introduce it, and we would all hang out together and eat food and watch the movies, and then I would do like a little talk afterwards and a Q and A. And I did that for the first time um, last night at the beautiful. Uh, classic cinemas in Elk Grove Village. Very uh, nice. And uh, Eric Childress, who uh, was just on with me, uh, as a matter of fact, with Steve Procopi, Eric is one of the guys who founded the Critics' Choice film series, and he programs it at their at their those theaters. And he was like, "Hey, I'm doing John Carpenter's uh, Starman. You happen to like John Carpenter a little?" And I went, "Yeah." 
<laughs> and he's like, and you happen to like <laughs> Jeff Bridges. I, you like that guy, right? <laughs> a little, a little bit. And he said, you happen to like Jeff Bridges a little. And I went, yeah. And uh, and so he's like, why don't you do the, why don't you host it? And so I did. And uh, we had a great turnout. It was a lot of fun. We had a big turnout. A lot of people showed up who used to come to my film club in, in Rosemont. Mm-hmm. Um, Very nice. And, and then I talked to the people at uh, Classic Cinemas. And we're going to do it monthly, Esmeralda. Love it. So I'm really excited. I'm very, very excited. Things are getting kind of back into a groove here. It's been weird. It's been a weird couple of months, too, by the way, personally, in my life, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and dealing with what's going on in my personal life with my family and my mom and my dad and all of this kind of crazy stuff happening. It's all weird because dealing with it. And um, mm-hmm. so anyway, that's going to be happening. And I'm launching, a, I'm launching a website soon. Cool. So like, a, like a full-on website, and I want you to be a part of it and all the stuff that I do. From these podcasts to, you know, the stuff I do on WLS to the movie screenings to any personal appearances and stuff like that. It's all going to be a part localized in one place uh, on my website. So that's being launched in a, in a couple of months, too. So been, anyway, it's been crazy. But uh, what movies would you like to see, Esmeralda? I'm, I'm, I'm going to start making a oh, list. Goodness. Is there any, any movies that you would like that you would like to uh, that you would like to see? Um, hmm. I mean, I've always uh, I've always tried for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But it's right. impossible to get because Disney it's a tricky one. Disney Disney, they're dicks. And they own a lot of stuff. They they now own all of 20th Century <laughs> Fox movies and stuff. Yeah. And they, they make it really, really difficult for people to sh- to to show the movies at screenings. They make it very, very difficult to, to impossible. And I know that that would be near the top of your list because it's right near the top of mine as well. Because I would love oh, to yeah. see that on the big screen. But you come up with any, let me know. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I would love what, to have Do you have any that you already are like, yeah, we're going to do that? Well, or are you, you know, keeping it's, it a secret? It's, uh, well, I just started thinking about it because it just, I mean, last night I was like, he was like, yeah, and we're going to be doing it. Some of, a couple of them, uh, you know, uh, periodically I'll be doing at the one in Elk Grove Village, but the one that I'm going to be doing, my home base is going to be the um, classic cinema in, in uh, Oak Park, mm-hmm. um, the lake in Oak Park. So it's the lake, the classic cinema lake theater in Oak Park which is really easy to get to. The Green Line stop is like right there. And it's in Oak Park, which is a very cool place and just just outside of Chicago. It's easier to get to than the Elk Grove Village one, which is kind of difficult, especially if you don't have a car. Um, but this one, and so that's the theater and they've got like a really cool, they've got a whole bunch of really cool theaters and one theater has like 200 seats and he's like, let's put you in there and see if we can get a whole bunch of people and you can pick bigger movies. And So I've been thinking about stuff that I want to show. Magnolia, obviously, but that's very long. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's going to work out. <laughs> You know, some of my favorite movies and, and, um, you know, we'll figure it out. There's some art movies that I'd like to show, but I'm just thinking about it. And if you come up with anything, you know, that, that I would love to do like an Esmeralda night where we, uh, like, Hey, oh boy, you know what I mean? Like your favorite movie, maybe <laughs> yeah. we can do like an, I already did fight club at my, uh, mm-hmm. at my film club. I know that's one of your favorites and I know that's your Ed Norton. And, and what was it that uh, fight club was associated with was a puzzle, right? No, not a puzzle. Yeah, yeah, right. The yeah. Millennium Falcon, or was it R two D two, or uh, it was um, it was R two D two, a three D okay. puzzle right. of R two D two. I spent right. my summer, one of my summers, building <laughs> along with watching Fight Club over and over again. It's truly <laughs> one of my favorite stories that I can't believe you didn't tell me until a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, like a month ago. I can't believe that. I just love that story. So now, anytime <laughs> I think of Fight Club, I think of you. Watching it over and over again while building an R2-D2 puzzle. That's what I think of yeah. every time now. Yep. <laughs> but we showed that one already. I'm trying to think of, you know, like uh, other, like what would be another like cool American History X? 
That would well, that's not a pleasant. I don't movie. like that one because I feel like it's <laughs> evil Edward Norton. It is evil. Well, it's full on evil. Although he, yeah, he gets he redeems himself, but he's trying to save he evil. Does. He's trying he to does, save I... evil Edward Furlong. <laughs> the rest of the right. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, but that's not like a you know you know it's like you like after that movie it's hard to like hi everybody you know do a talk after that one right you know wasn't that great <laughs> yeah fantastic how's everybody fun. feeling how about that scene where he curb stomps that guy wasn't that fun yeah. you know like that so Oof. that one might not work <laughs> um you know um maybe you know uh, uh you know let's see with the Keanu we both love the Keanu. We got yeah. some Keanu movie, maybe Speed. How about that? Oh, and this year, that one in a minute. This is the 30th anniversary of Speed. Oh, there Let's, you go. If you want to make yourself feel really old, it's the 30th. <laughs> it's the 30th anniversary. There you go. How about that? Speed. Let's try and get Speed. That would be good, right? Yeah, Keanu. Be a it's a great movie. That'll be fun. Okay, we'll think about it, Esmeralda. I'm just throwing it out there, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna meet with the with the people over at uh, Classic Cinemas, we'll, at the the Lake Theater in, in Oak Park, and uh, we're gonna start doing it on a monthly basis again. Get the Nick D Film Club again together. Nice. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. And so think about it. You know, throw some titles my way sometime, and we'll, and we'll powwow about it. Cool. Sure. All right. Hey, so we've got some. Uh, you know, we've been taste testing thanks to UniversalYums.com. We've been taste testing uh, some snacks from France. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. have some serious ass dark chocolate. This looks like some serious ass dark chocolate we're going to be tasting. Right, and it's French, so right. This <laughs> right. isn't. This ain't your mama's dark chocolate. That's right. They don't mess around in <laughs> France. They don't fuck around with chocolate. They're serious about it. And this, although is, I will say, it does has forty seven percent, so it's not really like dark dark chocolate. Yeah. If it was, it would be like seventy. Right, but it's so got. This and is it's, a little sweeter. A little bit sweeter, and it's also got sea salt crystals embedded in it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be taste testing as part of our Universal Yum snack package that we get every month. So from France, we got some serious dark chocolate with some sea salt crystals that we're going to be doing. Um, and we are also going to be talking uh, about celebrities that everyone hates, but not everybody, because as we discussed over the past couple of episodes, that we don't hate all these people. So Right. Well, it's very we, subjective, you know. It is. It is. <laughs> now... Um, you know, in the past, Esmeralda, we've talked about like crazy neighbor stories mm-hmm. and, and that everybody has them, especially if you lived in apartments or, you know, co-ops or complexes and stuff. You'll always have weird neighbor stories. I've got some maniacs who live like above me and around me all the time. And yeah. And you in the past have had some crazy neighbor stories. And uh, and I ask people to sometimes share their crazy neighbor stories. Well, we got a uh, a, <laughs> a voicemail here that I wanted to uh uh, to share, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from uh, one of our uh, uh, subscribers and listeners, Renee. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty entertaining... <laughs> Let me just... I'm just going to play it, okay? Okay. Because uh, it, it involves bad neighbors, a bad neighbor story, kind of. And it involves a really uh, entertaining listener of ours named Renee. And by the way, if you want to leave voicemails, 24-7, anything, stories, any kind of you know, questions or anything like that. 773-417-6948. That's the number to call to leave your voicemail. So anyway, Esmeralda, here's, uh, <laughs> this is Renee and her voicemail. Ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh, hey, Nick. Um, this is really bad judgment, I'm sure. Speaking right now. <laughs> this is your pal Renee out in uh, New York. 
um, in the film exhibition business. And I have a asshole neighbor. So this is the story that came to mind. We have these giant trees uh, in front of our house. And my neighbor likes to park their car in front of our house and not in their own driveway or in front of their house for some reason, which I think is annoying right there. Um, But one day it was super windy, like um, weather alert, you know, kind of wind. We have these huge, huge trees that constantly have limbs falling out of them. And they're actually on the town property. They're at the very front of our house. So they're not our responsibility. The neighbors park their car under these giant trees during this huge windstorm. So a limb falls and it hits their car and causes some kind of dent. The woman comes over and demands that we pay to fix her car. And when I tell her that she's fucking nuts, uh, she says that she's going to sue us. <coughs> this story is not that funny. I hope there's an opportunity for me to back out of this. <laughs> But, you know, whatever. I pulled her off. She didn't see us. Uh, we don't speak to each other. But they still parked their car in front of our house. Okay. Bye. So, mm. I, on so many levels, I also love how long it takes for the voicemail to end after she Right. Because it's still going. Okay, it just ended. <laughs> okay. Um, I I love that voicemail on so many levels, okay? Um. One, this was a topic we were talking about a very long time, <laughs> very long mm-hmm. time ago, and I mm-hmm. just got this. I just got this voicemail, okay, like last week or like a few days ago. Two, I, I think Renee had 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 a little bit of an alteration going on. Via yeah, maybe think? maybe a couple of cocktails, maybe a little weed. I don't know. That's just my hunch. I I think that mm-hmm. I think Renee had had some substances that may have altered her ability. Just a little. And then I, my favorite part of it is when, when she's all, like halfway through or three quarters of the way through the story, she's like, man, this story's not very funny. I just love this. <laughs> and then like, I wish I could back out of this. Like, it's too late. You know, I mean, you've already left like a minute and 40 <laughs> message on here and realizing, shit, I guess I shouldn't have called. And then she posted, like she sent me a message on on. On social media, like, hey, mm-hmm. I apologize for the <laughs> for the voicemail. <laughs> I probably shouldn't oh. have left it, and uh, and I was like, you know, I didn't respond to it immediately. I was like, no, because it's fucking very entertaining. So that's why I thought I'd play that. Um, I just love. Have you ever like called anybody like and went? Well, I don't know why I'm calling you, or or you ever get messages like that where they're like, ah, I don't know, shit, I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah, it's a lot of like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is a recording, you know, you could yeah. just delete it, but God, sure. it's so funny. It's so funny. But I just love, like, she's telling the story, and then, and then like, there's a lo- there's this pause where she, she like, a lightning bolt hits her. This story's not very funny. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> but it's a good, bad neighbor story. Like, someone says, yeah. hey, this is a tree, and nature did this, and you, you have to pay for it. I'm suing you. Like, what? You know? 
Um, so it's a good, I mean, at its core, it's a legit, you know, asshole neighbor story. No question about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you would want to leave it on the voicemail of a podcast is another question. <laughs> right. But I mean, uh, I think it's, I, I love that they just came over and like, we're going to sue you. And yeah. Like, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. And and yet, and the other thing about it was, and we're going to sue you, and yet they continued to park under this tree, you know? Right. Well, they knew they had no case, considering she says it's not even their property, technically. Right. So. right. <laughs> anyway, so I thought I'd share that. That's Renee. Uh, and I love the fact that she works in film. I love that. You know what I mean? Like, that adds another level of, of like, great, beautiful hilarity to it, is that she, like, works in the world of film, and then, like, halfway through went, no, this isn't very funny. This isn't very funny. <laughs> so anyway, I thought I'd share that with uh, with everybody. So uh, anyway, that's that's the that's the latest. Uh, and by the way, if you want to leave a voicemail of any kind with questions or comments or contributions, again, uh, magic megaphone request seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. It's open twenty four seven. And uh, that, by the way, um, was left late at night. I just. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know how you because you have you have the date and time on these you know voicemails right. that you get, and that was late. So I think Renee had a long night, a, a long, fun, entertaining night, and uh, and then <laughs> and then like in the middle of her message, rethought the whole thing, which I just I love. So that's why I played it anyway. So hey, we love to hear from our listeners and from our subscribers. We love you guys. So seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight or nickdpodcast at gmail dot com. It's open to you anytime you want. Okay, so. Uh, all right, you, you ready to talk a little bit more about celebrities that uh, everyone hates? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the last one we talked about was the LaBeouf. The Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeoufy. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I, we, we were talking about how he wasn't so bad when he was young, and then he kind of lost his mind for a while. And I think, what was it that we agreed that he was not, we don't necessarily hate him, but we just think he's like weird and kind of goofy. He, yeah, he just, uh... He seems like he's in his own world. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we'll see what happens because like he like we mentioned before, he's in the new, you know, return to movies, Francis Ford Coppola movie that that uh, Coppola is making his first movie in years. And uh, he's part of the ensemble cast. I think he's the lead in it. So oh. Francis Coppola hired the weirdo. So we'll see what <laughs> Although right. he's, not, he's not, you know, he's not. You know, he's, he, it's not new for Francis Coppola to hire weirdos. I mean, his nephew is Nicolas Cage, and he's a weirdo. Yeah, so, so it runs in the family. It certainly does. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, all right. Celebrities that everybody hates. This is just a, a random list that was put together by, like, I think it was by a poll done online. And we know how good they are. When if it's, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> it takes the pulse of the people. Exactly. Because if there's anything that's accurate, it sh- and if it shows up on social media or the internet, you know it's true. You know it's right. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, that's how you ba- need to base uh, life. All right. Is it on the internet? True. It's on the internet? It's true. Completely. I buy it. All right. Catherine uh, Heigl um, is on the list. And I can kind of see that. What, what, what is, is that surprising to you, or does that make sense to you that Catherine Heigl would um, be on the list? I I can see it not not for me like I I could I do I don't bother with her like yeah. I just don't care right <laughs> right um but I can see why people would not like her mm-hmm. 
um, because of just things that have happened, like with Grey's. People love that damn show, Grey's Anatomy. It's been on and 60, you know, isn't it? It's one 60, terrible word. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's been on 67 seasons, I think. I think it's in season 67 at this point. Yeah. It's um, been a thousand years. Yeah. That damn show is still it, on. God, it's been on forever. Um, and she was on it such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, I even forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was on that show, and she did some shit that pissed off the cast, and all kinds of weird stuff happened on that cast. Didn't, didn't what's-his-name drop the F-bomb? The, not the F-bomb, but the, the, the F Oh, there was to dis- um, to dis- somebody was gay One of the, the actors cast, right? was homophobic. Right. Was just saying a and lot it was, and he was, and things. Yeah, and he was a really terrific actor, an African-American uh, actor, really good actor who end his, ended his career. At that point, like he had done, he had done some interesting movies and was really good. And then like he was a regular on Grey's Anatomy. And then at like the Emmys or something, when they wanted some awards or something, he went up to the mic and just dropped the, you know, the, 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 the horrible insult, the F that starts with an F that you would describe a homosexual mm-hmm. with. He dropped that like casually. Um, and it was just, re- and I can't remember the guys. And is it Isaiah Washington? Um, not I sure. I think it was Isaiah Washington, who I think up until, I think it was Isaiah Washington. I think, I, I'm not looking it up or anything, but but maybe you can. Um, But until then, like he had done a couple of movies and he was really good and he was on the verge of being like, you know, like a really cool character actor and a good dude. And he, and he was on Grey's Anatomy and then all of a sudden he says all this horrible stuff comes out of his mouth like this bile. So, so I guess. Uh, yeah. So he was. Um, is it Isaiah Washington? Yeah. yeah. He was okay. fired from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was good, but he was good up until that point. And you realize, oh, shit, that's not cool, man. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, so I guess controversy. I mean, that show's been on, like we said, for 127 years. So there's bound to be <laughs> for that length of time. There's bound to be a little news and controversy that's going to pop up. Yeah. Um. And then Catherine Heigl talked shit about the show, right? Didn't she? Wasn't that what her? Yeah. I mean, she had some issues with the material. Um, So, like, the Emmys came out and stuff, and she wasn't nominated. And she's like, well, I didn't turn anything in because nothing seemed good. (laughs) God. Which also, like, you know, I mean, that could also be, like, maybe she just wasn't happy with how she did her. Because, you know, it also, just because of the material, but it's also part her. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Um yeah. but you know, but but then she did the same shit with um Knocked Up. You remember when Knocked Up came out? Um Right. Well and- she did she she did say that um that the movie was a bit sexist, which I'm sure watching it again it probably has not aged as well as people think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the the a lot of the Apatow stuff is not I mean the only Apatow movie that I still think is good is Forty Year Old Virgin and all of the rest of them have either not aged well or they suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I mean, 40-Year-Old Virgin is the only one that I still think is is really pretty great. And and that has some issues and it's too long. But uh, but Knocked Up doesn't hold up. But the thing is, the thing is though, like, you know, she started bitching about Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen and all the other guys in the movie when, you know, they were like, well, she was completely pleasant on the set. She never said anything, you know. You know, Seth Rogen was like, I got along fine with her i thought everything was okay and then suddenly she's trashing the movie which made tons well, of money also and... i mean what are you gonna do yeah 
are you going to trash something that you're working on at that very moment? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> For the yeah. most part, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know it depends. I mean, but, but, you know, like they claim at least, you know, and again, this is hearsay. We don't know what really happened, but Apatow and, and, and everybody involved in it, Catherine Keener or not Catherine Keener, uh, like some of the other people that were involved in the movie were all, uh, um, um, what's her name? Leslie Mann. Everybody, well, she's married to Judd Apatow, so she's, <laughs> so that's, right. that's not very objective, obviously. But the point is that they said that she was pleasant on the set. Everybody got along and every seemed to, everything seemed okay. And then when the movie, and she didn't start trashing the movie until it after it had made like, you know, like $150 million. When it became like a huge hit, then she started trashing it um, and trashing everybody involved in it. And, um, and but she wasn't new to that. Like she tra- she's trashed a lot of stuff that she's worked on. Uh, and burned a lot of bridges. Like she burned a lot of bridges mm-hmm. from from professional to personal, and so yeah. Now I and again, like you, Catherine Heigl. When I hear Catherine Heigl, I'm like, whatever. You know, I. I <laughs> yeah, I don't really. <laughs> yeah, don't really think about her. But never really like. I didn't really like any of her movies or watch any of her movies. So yeah, she's yeah. Just, well, she's kind of like oh. she's on she's on the list, and I think I mean I think it's mostly because of the professional and personal bridges that she burned and she talked shit about a lot of people now whether that stuff is legit we don't know but she had a tendency to vocalize a lot and talk shit about a lot of people that she worked with so that's why she made the list yeah whether it's whether it's valid or not you know i, I don't know who's to say but the point is that she she pissed off enough people to make this stupid li- <laughs> to make this stupid list so um next one on the list is chris jenner who goes along with obviously with Kim Kardashian, right? And um, I've just I I they annoy the hell out of me. Everybody in that family, and I don't watch. I've never watched one millisecond of any of those reality shows. Yeah, so I, yeah. You know, I mean, I just as soon as I see her, I change the channel. Like I just, I you know. But like now, do have you watched any of those reality shows? We talked a little bit about this before. I mean, right? I've watched a little bit of them, and they're as vapid as, yeah. <laughs> as you imagine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Chris Jenner. I mean, she is. She was at some point most of their managers and stuff, and so she spawned all those fairly terrible people. And there's Jenners and there's Kardashians, and they're all they've all got reality shows, right? Aren't they all like? I mean, there are like because there's like is well, they is were it, all they were all on I keeping up keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Kardashians, you see, so you got Chloe and Kim, and who are the other Kardashians? Um, so there's Chloe, Kim, um, Courtney. No, Courtney. Yeah, is there? Courtney. Okay, there's. I'm just trying to think because they're all K's, right? Uh, they all start with K's. Yeah, so that's the three. Okay, and, and then, then there's the two other girls are Jenners, right? Which is Kylie and Kendall. Okay, and they're all with K's because like Chris yes. with a K, so they're all with K's. So Kylie right. and Kendall Jenner. All right. Isn't one of the Jenners, isn't one of them, isn't Oh, and she... then there's a brother. Uh, Chris Jenner? No. I no, because that would then be her name. Oh, right. Okay. So, because she All wouldn't right. do a C. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. Okay. So there's another Jenner, but it's Kyle. Is it Kyle? No. No, he's not a Jenner. He's a Kardashian. Oh, he's um, a Kardashian. Okay. Kendall? No, oh, so, a... wait a minute. No, that's... <laughs> trying to figure out the family tree <laughs> of this whole thing especially for someone who doesn't watch this shit is kind of both fascinating and like weird um 
But do we know who? Uh, oh, he's not a K. That's what's throwing me oh, off. Oh, okay. His, uh, he is named after his father, Robert Kardashian. Oh, okay. So he's Rob. He's Rob Kardashian. Okay. All right. So yeah. he's named after his after his after his dad. Okay. So uh, that those are all the Kardashians, and then there's that, and then yeah. All right. So I don't. And isn't one of the Jenner girls? Isn't she dating my boyfriend uh, Timothy? Yeah, that is the rumor. That is the that's what it looks like. I was very jealous. I don't jealous. think they've come out completely. Mm-hmm. But we've seen them all over the place. I was very, I oh was, well, no, wait. They were at the Golden Globes together. They were at the so, Golden yeah, Globes. Yeah, they were at the Golden Globes. Yeah, I think it is official. And I didn't know. And then I was like, "Who is that?" Because I didn't know who it was. And I was like, "Who is kissing my boyfriend?" I got very angry. <laughs> you were like, "And why am I not at the Golden?" Exactly. Globes? Why am I not making out? I want to make out with Timothy Chalamet. And and, and why didn't he invite me to the? <laughs> yeah. Why am I not at the table with Timothy Chalamet with Muadib? I I should be at the table right now with him. Yes. So, um, and now, uh, not two days ago, there was an article. I mean, mostly um, gossip magazines, but they're yeah. all saying that they are secretly broken up. Ah, okay. So, all right, good. So I still have a chance. So we'll see. I still have a chance. Or they're, with, uh... or they're just busy. You know. Okay. Well, he's been on the he's been he's been on the road around the world right. promoting, promoting Dune. Like he's been yeah. everywhere. Like they always been... crack me out. Where it's like they broke up. It's like or they're just busy. Yeah. <laughs> know, they're just and he's busy right now. Thing. Like he literally like the entire cast and crew of Dune has been all over the world. Right. And they've been on every talk show. Like Josh, uh, Josh Brolin was on Colbert uh, the other night. Mm-hmm. Last night, uh, mm-hmm. um. Uh, 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 what's his name? Austin Butler was on Seth Meyers. Uh, I mean, it's just been, they've been everywhere. So maybe Timothy's just been away from which one of Kendall. Is he with Kendall? Uh, Kylie. Kylie. Okay. I don't know who the hell. Anyways. Well, anyway, I should be with Timothy. He'll realize that someday. <laughs> just keep, keep making those phone calls. I will keep, calling. keep leaving those voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm watching the golden globes and I'm not jealous of him. I'm jealous of her. I'm like, hey, he'll listen. He'll listen to one of them one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll say, "Oh, you know what? You're right, Nick. I should be with you." That's right, and he'll realize that someday. Anyway, uh, all right. So the so Chris Jenner and the and Kim Kardashian both made the list, but I guess like if I guess all of those family members at some point could. Make I mean, this. they're all ridiculously yeah. vap. I mean, the only one that's kind of, and she's still not even. She's she's better in terms of them is um cool no not chloe the one she's dating the guy or she married the guy from uh blink 182 he's the drummer she kind of she's um she's kind of mellowed out okay i think because of him okay so travis barker is the drummer for blink 182 and he married uh courtney kardashian oh he did and she seems to have kind of broken away a little bit in terms of okay being so obsessed with how she looks and like with okay i get her confused who okay because i thought who what who she married to the travis wasn't he with didn't he have a reality show with a playmate or something he did he was married to shanna mochler there it is i that was on vh1 when we were talking about vh1 Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) No, that I used to kind of watch that, or I was aware of it. I didn't watch that one regularly, yeah. but I was aware of that. 
Oh, so he's like tattooed neck and stuff and face. He's like that kind of guy, right? Okay. And she also seems, she seems to have mellowed out because of him because he's, he seems to be way more down to earth than than everybody that's around her. (laughs) She's, she's married to, it's Kourtney Kardashian, okay? Right? Mm -hmm. So she's married to neck tattoo dude. Now, why was I thinking that, uh, who, who, who is, What's her face? Uh, that Megan Fox. That uh, who is she married to? I thought she was married. Oh married. no, that's she's not, married that's to like a tattooed dude. Yeah, because I, I get that. Like that couple to me is like interchangeable. Like whoever they are, it's like you know, um, like quote unquote hot chick married to tattoo neck. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a musician. And I don't know, but like, but also and, not married. Not oh, married. they're not married. Okay, well, like, with they were, yeah. They kept so, like they were engaged, and now they're not, and well, like it's all kind of weird. So who is um, who is Machine Gun Kelly? Oh, Machine Gun, Ke- <laughs> right? Yeah, he's he's essentially yeah. a yeah. carbon copy of of anyone who has tattoos and thinks yeah. that they're yeah that they're. I, uh, I, that they're I know cool him and edgy. I know him through his appearances on SNL as musical guest and. His friendship with Pete Davidson. That's the only way that yeah. I know is, and Pete Davidson plays oh, him he's been, on SNL. He's been in movies as well. Yeah, Nothing he was in. Good. He was in the. I think he was in the Motley Crue movie. Um, I think he played one of the. I think he played Nikki Six, or he played somebody in the Motley Crue movie. Uh, the Dirt, the whatever the hell it was called. The, the yeah. Talking. By the way, talking about yeah, people you don't like, Machine yeah. Gun Kelly. No, thank you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just no, Mm-mm. no. I mean, I just see, I see, I see. I've only seen him on. Um, I've seen him play. I've seen him as a musical guest. On here's how. Here's how I've seen Machine Gun Kelly. Anytime I like see Pete Davidson, like he hangs out with Pete Davidson. Okay. Yeah. Pete yeah. Davidson does an impression of him, or did an impression of him on SNL. Uh, I know Machine Gun Kelly because of his appearances on SNL as musical guest, and uh, his appearance. <laughs> The only other way I know him is that he's he's made a few appearances on Ridiculousness, <laughs> mm. which is a show that I watch with regular with regularity because I love stupid videos. But he he was like for a while he's been on like three four episodes of that. So that's the only way that I know that guy. But I knew he was dating somebody like Megan Fox or he, he's dating Megan Fox. Yeah. Right. Okay. He's been in a couple of movies, and we actually. He was in one, and I'm sure this was a straight-to-video situation, called Taurus, um, which is like... Taurus as in the, the the astrological like the, sign in the, the car? Zodiac. And the car? Yeah, the Zodiac sign. Okay, yeah. Um, but he's like the star of it, and oh, you know you can find it on Tubi. <laughs> okay. Now, does he go by the name Machine Gun um, Kelly? Because I think he went by a well, different in name. The, yeah, no, in this, he goes by his, his government name. <laughs> of Colson Colson Baker, I believe. Because we were looking so just even looking at the damn cover of this stupid movie. It's it's him looking all like I'm a rock star, whatever, but like it looks like he's in a pool and his arms are like on the edge of the pool, you know? And he's kind of looking it actually, you know what? And it's probably meant to be that way. It gives a very like crucified Oh um, yeah, being crucified on the cross, yeah. Jesus symbolic, symbolic kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, feel yeah. like it is because he's also looking down, like okay. across. Yeah, 
Um, now, have you watched it? Did you did you try no. to watch it? God, no. It looks dis- <laughs> it looks so terrible. Like just watching the trailer, you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's called Taurus. So, um, it's called Taurus. It's called Taurus. Uh, yeah. So a rising but troubled musician, of course, oh, searches for the inspiration to record his next song, pushing himself deep into the void. Wow. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> no, thank you. So Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly. And then uh, who's the other tattoo? It came neck? out in 2022. <laughs> okay, 2022. And who's the other tattoo neck we were just talking about? The uh, Travis Barker. Oh, Travis Barker from Blink 182, right? Yeah. So he at least has talent. Okay. He's actually he's quite a good drummer. Okay. All right. Cool. So so Machine Gun Kelly, check out Taurus. What's his name? What's what? his government name? Colson Claudia. Baker. Colson. Yeah. So it won't be Machine Gun Kelly if you want okay. to see. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And he was in the, like I said, I don't remember who he played one of the members of Motley Crue in whatever that, I think it was called The Dirt, whatever that. Uh, yeah. 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 And I can't remember. I think he played Nikki Six. I'm almost positive he played Nikki Six because. Uh, oh, well, no. All, he played no? Tommy Lee. Oh, he played Tommy Lee. Okay. Um, okay. So he played Tommy Lee. All right. Okay. So did they, I wonder if they had to put a prosthetic penis on <laughs> <laughs> Like, like they gave him Mark Wahlberg's penis from Boogie Nights to to wear, and just <laughs> washed it off, and <laughs> yeah, just strap that on. It's got to look, uh, it's got to look good. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, so there you go. If you got a tattoo on your neck, that's also a problem. So anyway, all right. Well, that's not the problem. No, just don't be a douchebag about it. Right, right, <laughs> right. So, uh, all right. So this is the dream couple. But apparently, Travis Barker has been good for which Kardashian? Slappy Kardashian, Courtney. Kardashian, Courtney. Okay, okay. And then Cl- no, Courtney, Kendall, Courtney. Which one's making out with my boyfriend, Timothy? Uh, Kylie. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just have to know so who to be So if you'd like to, <laughs> like to call her, call her up and. <laughs> Kylie, I don't like you hanging out with my boyfriend. Kylie, <laughs> I don't appreciate that. You have no business being with Muadib. I don't appreciate that at all. So anyway. Well, all right, we have uh, many more of these celebrities that everybody hates. We can talk a little bit more about that. And everybody wants to check out Tor- – I bet you now, because of this podcast, the <laughs> – It's going to bump up the, the, the Hulu. Yeah. It's on Hulu, by the way. It's on Hulu. Hulu. Okay, if you want to check it out, you can stream it on Hulu. The numbers are going to go through the roof for Taurus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and the applications for the Machine Gun Kelly fan club are going to quadruple. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I well, hope so. <laughs> we can only we can only hope. We can only hope. All right. Uh, all right. Shall we taste some chocolate, Esmeralda? Yeah. Sure. So this is let me you know for people who don't know again, um, uh, universallyyums.com. You uh, our great friend Deanna, who is a very cool listener, uh, subscribed to for us Esmeralda and I to get a box of snacks every month from a different part of the world, and we are currently making our way through France. So we are going to try uh, some 40% dark chocolate with sea salt directly from France. Flowers on Valentine's Day, overrated. Uh, but, but fleur de sal, swoon. Uh, the caviar of sea salts is what it is. It's formed when seawater evaporates and leaves behind delicate salt flowers, quote unquote. Trained workers called paludaires, I'm sure I'm completely mispronouncing it, use special wooden rakes called lucifleurs to collect them. Since even the most productive salt marshes only produce two pounds per day, the process is slow and expensive, but it's worth it 
since mineral-rich uh, salt is longer-lasting and saltier than the ordinary salts, uh, when blended with decadent dark chocolate, it makes for a chocolate experience unlike any other, as you're about to find out. Best flowers ever. No regular flowers. These are better flowers. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. We already had some flirts out um, with caramel. We did. We did. So what do you what do you think of the? Let's see. All right. Let me. You got the. You got. This is like by delicate the way, is, about it. This is like opening a vault. It's in a yeah. cardboard. I container. also kept this out in room temperature, so it's probably. Oh. <laughs> okay. So it looks a little sticky. My apartment's a little chilly right now, so mine's okay. All right. So I open the foil. You Ooh. have to open up a cardboard box, and then you have to pull the thing out, bar out, and then you open up the foil, and then you, you taste it. All right. Let me see. What well, that's nice. That's good. Mm. You get the you get the salt. It's mm. it's subtle. Mmm. Oh, They're like good. little pops of salt. It's good. Intermixed. Mm. Oh, that's good. Mm. Oh. I, I'm, I can't be Because honest. I thought it was going to be on top of it. No, it's, it's like, inside. Yeah, intermixed yeah. with the chocolate, which is quite nice. Because mm. that way you get it all throughout. You don't, mm. it's not just on top. Man, that's good. Mmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm all. <clears throat> I'm all about that. Man, that's delicious. I got to say. Um, wow. Okay, it's cool. It's quite nice. Yeah. Although I will say, mm -hmm. for it to be like super healthy, it has to be like 70. Okay. So 70%. Not, not that, not as, and also, you know, like my blood pressure uh, will not be helped by this dark chocolate. Even it's got to be the darkest not, dark chocolate available. Yeah, it's got to be real dark. Right. If it still has like sugar... Okay. It, it's not as healthy okay. for you. So of what we've tasted, where would you rank this? Because we've got the garlic aioli potato chips. We had the caramels. We had the popcorn truffles, mm -hmm. which were French chocolate with bits of popcorn. The sour cherry hard candies. The strawberry chews. The raspberry roll cake. That's what we've tasted so far. I um, think this is, I think this is pretty number, great. This is number four. Number four. What's your favorite again? The, the potato chips. Yeah. We're super good, um, okay. and then the the cake was all yeah, so really the good. The caramel cake was good. They were all good, actually. I'm a little partial to the caramels. Yeah, they were delicious. Um, all this stuff has been good. I couldn't do the sour candy because it's cherry flavored. That's just me. Yeah, that was the only. Right now, that's the only um, miss mm -hmm. for me. Okay, me too. I liked how sour it was, but the right. cherry tasted kind of funky. Okay. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, this dark chocolate is really tasty. Very, very tasty. Salty, dark chocolate. Really good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the French are making, they're, are, are doing pretty well here. And we'll taste well, another. Uh, <laughs> French are good at doing stuff. They're good at doing stuff. <laughs> That's the technical mm -hmm. phrase. The French yeah. are good at doing stuff. <laughs> That's their tourist. That's their tourism. <laughs> That's the tourism thing. logo. That's the right. Front, France. Yeah. We're good at doing we're, stuff. We're good at stuff. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Well, cool. All right, we'll do. We'll taste test another uh, snack from the box of Universal Yums from France uh, on the next episode. Uh, well, the next episode, not the next episode, but the episode after, because the next episode, Esmeralda, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a for the people. Is a for the people episode. Yeah. So you got the mm -hmm. day off. Uh, the next episode that drops on Tuesday will be the first Tuesday of the month. So that means Tom Appel from Consumer Guide Automotive will talk about cars, and Herb Weisbaum 
from uh, checkbook.org and your consumer uh, helpful helper is going to be there too. And any questions you have for those guys, let us know. Uh, you can call us voicemail anytime, 773-417-6948. Email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Want to be a sponsor? Lots of people listen to this uh, podcast who so advertise with us. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Um, and uh, Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound. Ed Sella does everything else. Share, rate, and review us on every platform. Check out our 24-hour streaming service, uh, radiomisfits.live. And, uh, and, uh, and check us out next time for the For the People episode. My thanks to Eric and Steve for talking about movies and talking about Oscars. And Ezreal, do you rule? And we will talk to you uh, in a week um, after yes. our For the People uh, episode. And by the way, that episode will be with Marnie Schur from The Takeout. So that'll be Very fun. Very nice. All right, Ezreal, do you have a great, uh, great, uh, great time off? And I will talk to you next time. Bye. All right, and thanks, everybody. It's the Nick D Podcast. We'll see you next time.